0: are in Ephesians. And if you have your Bibles, if you will turn there, if you have your worship guide, if you will open it up, maybe with pen in hand. Um, And if you don't have either one of those, we have it up here on the screen. So Jennifer has agreed this morning to walk us through this passage. I said we were going to be in this passage for a couple of weeks and we are. So this is going to be um, chapter one, verses three through 14. Okay, Jennifer.
1: might be to the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation believed in him and were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory
0: all right to the praise of his glory thank you jennifer you will hear that um just give it to sam on your way out on your way out we ask you that you leave and go home now on your way out okay i'm just kidding Okay, so let's pray once more that these words that we've heard will be the thing that you will receive. Father, we take the word of God, and Lord, as a steward of your word, I pray this morning, oh God, that when I trip up or say things um, that are just not a part of your divine will for this morning, that it would just quickly fall to the ground. The only things that would remain would be what is of you and what is of your word. And Lord, once again, I pray that you would just take this marvelous book of Ephesians and just sear it into our souls, Lord, that we would understand who we are in you. And therefore, we would always have hope no matter what we are going through. Lord, be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so quick review. And yeah, I'll probably continue to do this for a while. Three sections of Ephesians. Section number one starts with a P. It is what? P- position, okay? So we're in position for a while. You must understand where you are positionally in Christ before you can, second P, practice. Before you can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and practice these things. And then the last one, which we'll jump into next fall, starts with a P, protection. Okay, so position, practice, and protection. That's what we're going through. We're in position right now. Last week, in the first 14 verses, we looked at 14 times that we see that God has a plan. Paul is an apostle by the will of God. And we spent a lot of time looking at how he was Saul and he became Paul because God had the plan that he would be able to take the word of God and the gospel and deliver it to the Gentiles. It wasn't because Paul was a good guy. It wasn't because he did the right things, but it was because of God's choice to uh, save him. Okay, And then we also talked about how in this position section that we are in, if it doesn't have our souls, that's going to be our word for the day, if it doesn't have our souls saying to the praise of His glorious grace over and over and over, then we're missing the point. Because God, you know, Paul starts, he says, blessed you know, be God. And then over and over and over to the praise of His glory and to the praise of His glorious grace, as we read these truths this morning, if you all receive the nuggets I'm about to give you this morning, and it does not have you praising God, then you're not paying attention. okay? So the third part is that it must evoke praise in us. And then lastly, we talked about how the thing that we're coming to in this position section is nothing other than the gospel itself. And I said, you're going to hear the same topic Over and over and over, but from different angles. And remember we talked about how you you went to this waterfall, or you went to the Grand Canyon, or whatever, and you took pictures, and you did it from different angles, and that's what we're doing. So we looked at that last week from the angle of God's divine providence, and we're going to look at it from a couple of different angles this morning. Okay. So it's the same topic, we're looking at the Gospel. Okay. Um, Different angles of looking at the Gospel, but that's where we're at. Um, true story I remember years ago I was sophomore in high school and my mom and dad decided to take um, a road trip with my sister my older sister and me and we went through Kentucky we went to Wyoming Grand Tetons worked our way back down we did Grand Canyon and then hit Memphis and went home okay there was a lot more than that but that was the route and we were in a little car And I had poison ivy. I remember that like all over my hands. So I'm like this all day long in a car with my sister. And then eventually after driving for like 12 hours, we would get to the destination of the day. Okay, so Grand Canyon's a big deal, right? Who all's been to the Grand Canyon? A lot of you. Okay, wow, that's amazing. Okay, who all spent more time at the Grand Canyon than 45 minutes? Most of you, if not all of you. Okay, so we arrive at the Grand Canyon, and my you know hands and my sister and my mom and dad were tired and we walk out to the ledge and we look at it and we're like oh that's amazing and we took a couple of pictures and then we were like who's hungry and we got in the car and we left mm-hmm. that was it that was our grand canyon experience i remember you know years later running the school and i could if i wanted to i could go on these senior trips to europe that we that we used to do and um, that sounds like a lot of fun, by the way. But when you're in charge of like 50 people, it's not so much fun. You're going to bed at 1 a.m., you're getting up at 5 a.m. and you do that for like, you know, 10 days. Um, but I remember like Pascal. Pascal was our, our guide. And we were in Paris. And Pascal and I had this great connection. And he was just amazing. And all, all of a sudden, he's like talking. And we come around the corner and it opens up. And we were like, whoa. You've done that with your waterfall you've done that with the Grand Canyon this was the Eiffel Tower I've seen pictures of the Eiffel Tower you know I've seen videos of the Eiffel Tower but if you've been there who all's been there right it's just whoa it's one of those moments and we we stayed there you know we we went all angles we looked you know up we took pictures we went up into the Eiffel Tower you know I bought like a little you know Eiffel Tower you know we did the whole thing we took as much like Eiffel Tower in as we possibly could. And there was this moment, and it was the clouds were coming in, and we were walking away, and we had been there for, you know, hours. And we were leaving, and Pascal was like talking to the group, and then he turns around, and he sees the Eiffel Tower, and the clouds had like enveloped the the tower, and the lights start going off within the, you know, the tower. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa you know when in his italian voice is look just you, you look, look at this look at this you know and he's doing his thing and he's like it's magnificent and i'm like pascal how many times have you done this tour he's like hundreds hundreds but it's magnificent just look at it and he made us stop and he sat there and he took it in as though it was the first time he had ever seen the eiffel tower and i was astounded probably more by that than i was the eiffel tower itself And I'm like, you do this for a living. You do this all the time, but it's captured your imagination. Okay? That's what I want from us as we're looking into Ephesians. Different angles, you know, different topics every week, but this is greater than the Eiffel Tower. And if it does not capture our imagination, and if we don't say, it is magnificent, you don't have to say it like that, you know. But if it doesn't have us saying that, then we're missing the point, you know. And I do encourage you, if you go to the Eiffel Tower, or let's say the Grand Canyon, if you go to the Grand Canyon, I mean, stay for a day or two, do the donkey thing, ride down the Colorado River, just don't spend 45 minutes there, and don't come into church on a Sunday morning and hear a little bit about Ephesians, and then go home and not look at it anymore. So we want you to sink your teeth into it. Okay, so let's jump into this. So verse number 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay? Before we jump into some of the details of these blessings, just make note that he says that these spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places. So I did a little bit of research. and Notice that this is in the book of Ephesians five times. Okay, let me read these to you. We just read this one, 1-3. One, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. One twenty, if you've got your Bibles open. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. 2-6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. 3-10. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. Now it's not a good thing, it's a bad thing. Evil in the heavenly places. So like, where are the heavens? Well, the first heaven that we see is this place where you see birds, right? You know, you see, you know, kites flying. That would be, you know, what we would call the first heaven. Uh, The second heaven beyond that would be where you see the stars. You know, it's where you see the moon. It's where the galaxies lie. And then in Scripture, you see like the, you know, the, the third heaven would be the place beyond that where the glory of God dwells, where Christ truly is seated at the right hand of the Father, Okay, so is that what this is talking about? Well, I don't think so. I mean, I think part of it is because in, in you know, verse number, what was it? You know, 2, 6, or chapter 2, 6, is, you know, he's seated in the heavenly places. You know, Christ actually, you know, in, in one twenty is seated at the right hand of the Father. So in essence, in some places it is, but I don't necessarily think that that's just what it's talking about. Okay, um, I think that it's more of this is the spiritual world, this is the eternal, these are the things that we can't see. It, but it's also a place where there's a fight for spiritual warfare that's taking place as well. It reminds me of a passage in 2 Corinthians four seventeen and 18. For the light momentary affliction that we're dealing with, which makes me immediately think of the Ermagers, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. You know, they're here today and gone tomorrow, but the things that are unseen, they are eternal. The heavenly places, it's dealing with the things that are eternal. It's dealing within the eternal spiritual realm of things. Okay, so the question of the day, though, is, but what are these spiritual blessings? Well... We're going to have a look and we're going to walk through some of them. Remember, verse 3 through 14 in the original Greek is one long sentence filled with adjectives, filled with adverbs, filled with clauses and prepositional phrases. And you must work your way through some of that or else you, know, you won't see the specific blessings themselves. So the key as I walk through this is you'll see that the very specific blessings that I'm going to teach us through today, they follow the in, I-N words. In Christ, in Him, in love, those kinds of things. Okay, so let's look and see what those blessings are. So going back to verse 3 and reading through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's our topic for the day in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So all of that is by way of introduction, okay, to say this, in love, there's your in, so in love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. And again, here's Paul, when he sees that He's looking at the Eiffel Tower, and he says, "...to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the Beloved." Okay, so all of the language in the first part is, is you know, leading us to um, this place where he is telling us what this blessing is. So there's this when, well, it was before the foundation of the world. This how, well, it was through Jesus Christ. And this why, according to the purpose of his will... But what is the what? The appointment or the adoption as sons. That's what he has done. He has adopted us. You know, sometimes thinking about this word adoption, sometimes biological children come as a part of a plan. You know, sometimes you just calculate and you say, yep, we're ready to have children. And you just, you know, begin that process and the Lord blesses that and you're able to have children. Sometimes it does work out that way. You know, sometimes, you know, people try for years and years and years and they finally have a child. You know, sometimes that just doesn't happen. But a biological, you know, child is different than adoption. Um, You know, there are times that you don't necessarily plan on having a child and you end up having one anyway. And that may or may not be the case with two of my children. I do not know you know, but there are times that these things do happen. But adoption is a little bit different, and I want you to kind of cling to that this morning because adoption, the parents are going through great pains, going out of their way to bring this child to be a part of their family. It's just a beautiful display of love. It's love in action. It's a pursuit of love, if you will. You know, we only get a small glimpse of that um, that heavenly blessing here, and sometimes you know we don't necessarily get it right. But within the heavenlies, all of creation sees Creator God sending His Son Jesus to seek. There's this is active love that's taking place. He's seeking those that He would adopt as His children, and once He adopts them, they are forever, eternally His children. There's no asterisk beside of them that says, yes, child, but adopted. It's not there. And if you don't believe me, let's look at a couple of passages. Galatians 4, I don't have these up on the screen, so if you want to write these down or look them up, you can. Galatians 4, 4 through 6, which we will look at twice today, says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are, ours, is a pretty pivotal key word here. Our sons, God has sent forth the Spirit into uh, the Son into our hearts, whereby we can cry, "Abba, Papa, or Father." John one twelve. But to all who did receive Him who believed in his name, that's us as believers, he gave the right to become children of God. And listen at this one. I love this. This is 1 John 3.1. See? This is Pascal. You see it? What kind of love that the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And then he says, and so we are. That's who we are. We're children of God. And it's magnificent. Right? So... There's this blessing, this one spiritual blessing that comes to us in this passage, which is the truth. And if you're in your worship, God, filling in the blanks, this would be a cue for you. Spiritual blessing number one, upon our faith in Christ and His gospel, we are adopted by God, period. We are His children. Children of God. The perfect Father, protected, nurtured, provided for eternally loved, I mean, we can stop right there and not even go through the other spiritual blessings because this one is so grand and is is so magnificent. You know, we've talked over and over and over over the past month of how this began with the sexual struggles and the sexual temptation sermon, how we look horizontally for that which can only be found vertically. We do it. We all do it. It's not just them out there. Our hearts are just drawn, you know, trying to find identity and purpose and love. You know, we everybody desires these things. And we'll go in wrong relationships after wrong relationship, after wrong relationship, trying to find that love and that acceptance, that identity, or maybe a new truck. You know, Or maybe if I got this job or this promotion or had this much money or what have you, and we all, oh, this vacation, or if we went to Paris, they never satisfy. Even that one look of the Eiffel Tower or the Grand Canyon, it won't stay with you, it won't satisfy. God has created us in such a way that that void can only be filled. And in spiritual blessing number one, we see that void being filled with the fact that the creator of everything, people, has pursued you. He has sought you out to bring you in to his family forever and ever and ever. Can you say in your hearts to the praise of his glory and grace? We must. And that's where Paul is in this passage. Yes, I'm excited. (laughs) And you must be as well because this is an amazing, an amazing spiritual blessing but it's not the only one let's continue ephesians 1 7 through 10 in him so there's our n word so this is um again a reminder oh he's opening up the door for what the blessing is going to be in him we have present tense key word redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses According to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished. Isn't that a great word? He has lavished upon us. And then He goes to talk about how these things took place. In all wisdom, in an insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. Accor- why? According to the, um, His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time. Why? To unite all, unite all things in Him, things in heaven on earth. But the what is, so what is that spiritual blessing? Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the way this part is constructed, okay, in the Greek, you kind of go back and you start looking at it, and the question is, okay, is there one spiritual blessing here, or are there two spiritual blessings here? And commentators, they just they don't know and they disagree. So one would say one, and another would say two. I'll let you know my opinion um, here in a moment. But the thing you first need to understand. Um, is this word have, okay? And, you know, please don't miss this important transitive verb implying a very present reality that we have redemption. So what is redemption? Well, what does that mean? Here's a a few definitions. To release on payment of ransom, liberation from bondage or imprisonment, it's the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. As you're thinking of hearing payment and ransom, we must see um, this, the, the first word of our church, red. It's the blood of Christ. It's clearing a debt with payment. I mean, you get the picture here? That's what redemption is. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful term, it's one of these words. Uh, that God gives us in Ephesians 1 just to show us the glory of his gospel. We are redeemed. Okay, who here, you will show your age, who here remembers this song, this hymn? Yes! Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. So I want you to listen to this. It says, Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed redeemed his child and forever I am. Is that amazing? Fanny Crosby wrote this back in the 1800s, and it just captures what we're talking about. You can see her having a Paul moment where she's like, it's magnificent. What do I do with it? Right? She just begins to pin the words to this amazing song, and this is just one verse of this song. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His child, adoption, and forever and ever I am. And it's all because of His sacrifice by the blood of the Lamb. He's granted us forgiveness of sins. So when I look at the passage and I see the redemption part and it's followed by forgiveness of trespasses and sins, I think that the redemption word is opening up the door to part two of redemption, which is further defining what it is. In this purchase, when Christ purchases us, okay, our sins are forgiven. We are justified. We are declared not guilty. So let me give you a couple of verses where I think it shows that these two blessings are kind of rolled into one. So listen to this one. This is Colossians 1 13 and 14. It says, He has delivered us, okay, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. So there's your redemption. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, comma, the forgiveness of sins. You see, those are just working together. They're working in unison. If you're redeemed, you are forgiven. Romans three twenty-three and 24. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified there's your redemption. We are justified, forgiven, declared not guilty by His grace as a gift through, through the catalyst, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If you're redeemed, then you're justified. Revelation 1.5, to Him who loves us and has freed us, there's your redemption, from our sins by His blood. I mean, do you see how these two amazing truths fit together, you know, two sides of the same coin? And this is why I see them as one truth. So the spiritual blessing that I'm giving you for today and in your worship guide is this. Spiritual blessing number two, we have been, past tense, redeemed by Jesus. And as such, our debt has been paid and our sins are forgiven. We have been redeemed, and this redemption resulted in our forgiveness. Do you see that? I mean, it's all about what he did. And this is where our default must be to gospel and not to religion. Because in religion, you're always trying to make the Father happy or pleased. You're making yourself acceptable. And he says you're accepted, you're, you're pleased within the Son because of what he did has done. By grace, we've been saved. Ephesians 2, we'll get to it soon. By grace, we've been redeemed. By grace, all of our sins are forgiven if we trust Christ as Lord to the praise of His glorious grace. If I had a projector that I could plug in, and I've said this before, and I could just show you all all of the sins that I've committed in my life, Or forget me, how about you? How about if you could have a cord that would show us all of your sins? The things that you've said, the things that you've done, just all of the the stuff that's there. It's bad, isn't it? It's bad. We're not good people. We're not born good people. From the time our mothers conceived us, we were born in sin and in iniquity. And our whole lives have been looking out horizontally, trying to fill this void. And as we go along, we do, we have done, we think, we say things that we shouldn't. And there's, it's called sin. We sin against God. And in this moment, in this truth number two, we understand, and this is why we must stay in position for a while. We must stand, stand here and look at this Eiffel Tower or this Grand Canyon. We must take it in. It must become a part of our being before we can walk, before we can practice. Because all of that stuff on the, ah, so good, on the authority of Jesus Christ, I can look at each one of you and say, Your sins are forgiven. Everything that you've done, it's forgiven. That's the glory of the gospel. Spiritual truth number two will rock your world and change your life because you no longer have to do the performance, do the act that the Father might be pleased. The gospel's bigger and it's greater. And it's just, Paul can't get enough of it. So he gives us 3 through 14 as one sentence. And what he's trying to say is, the gospel is magnificent. Look at it. And if you're not seeing it, go look at a different angle. And we can stop there too. That could be it. It should be it. But it's not. It's not enough. There's more that he gives us. So let's continue. Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 In, here's my N word again. This was helpful for me to see this passage unfold. In Him we have, there's another past tense word, we have obtained what? An inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So now He's going through and talking about like the hows and the whys. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Okay, now here's another in, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, and then he, he does it again, to the praise of his glory. He's just saying, it really is Magnificent. So I think that the second part, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, is tied to the first part, which is the inheritance. Okay, It may be a separate spiritual blessing, but when I look at it, when I look at the way it's constructed, I think that that's kind of rolled into one in the same way that we're redeemed, and therefore we have forgiveness of sins. Our inheritance is sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. Nonetheless, just so you know, next Sunday, we're only going to talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. So next week is going to be, and that's going to make Frankie very happy, but it's going, to make Holy, it's going to be Holy Spirit heavy. She's like, why don't you preach one sermon on the Holy Spirit? Well, that's next week, Frankie, so you better be here. Okay, but when I look at the ESV and the way that it's constructed, the way we're reading this, it's just not good enough. And I don't mean that negatively to our amazing ESV translators. but let me read the same passage to you in the amplified version. Okay, just, just take it in. It says, in him also we have received inheritance, an inheritance, a destiny. We were claimed by God as his own, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand according to the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. Hey, quick note, it's not next week, it's the following week. Next week we're talking about predestination and choosing. Um, verse number 14 in the, in the Amplified. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, His believers, to the praise of His glory. Again, you're just you're getting a, a deeper, a, a bigger picture of what's taking place here with inheritance. So upon believing the gospel, we have obtained an inheritance. Or as the Amplified Version is putting it here, it says it's a destiny we reclaimed by God as His own. And obviously that's tied to adoption. He came to seek and save that which was lost. There's an active love that's taking place here, and in doing so, uh, there's an inheritance. There's a guarantee. Consider these verses. This is Romans 8:14 through 19. Um, I think I'll just read through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We've already looked at that one. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Then verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, But then the next verse we haven't looked at yet. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, the next part of that verse, we won't have time to get to, but it says, provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified in Him. We can talk about that when we step into a suffering a practice sermon. Galatians 4, 7 says this, You are no longer a slave but a son, so there's the adoption And if a son, then an heir through God. You see the inheritance language that's there, that's tied to the adoption? They go hand in hand. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. The inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us, so there's a the redemption, to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, and this will be my last one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us, it's His doing, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Heirs, inheritance. You know, sometimes we, again, we don't always get the adoption right here, but within the spiritual domain, within the heavenlies, the Lord has. He takes us in. He pursues us. He declares us to be His children, his inheritance, and in doing so, we have all the blessings and the benefits of an heir. And that's why Galatians 4 and other passages say that we have the rights of the adoption as sons, because it was the son who would receive the inheritance. And as he does this, and again, we'll talk about this in two weeks, he seals it by the power of his Holy Spirit, which is God within us. And how do we respond to that? What do we do with that blessing? Well, we praise Him for it. Blessing number three. Spiritual blessing number three. Through Christ, we have, past tense, received an inheritance. We are a part of God's family. And as such, we are, present tense, heirs to the eternal blessings that await us. Adopted. Word number one. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are adopted. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to understand He came to seek and save that which was lost. Adopted. Redeemed. By the blood of Christ, the perfect sacrifice, Romans, not Romans, Hebrews 9 and 10 will tell you that His sacrifice was so holy and so perfect, it was the only sacrifice that was needed to cover this room full of a wall from the projector of all of the sins that we have committed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. His child and forever I am. I hope you sing it all day today in your head because I have been for the past couple of days. And then thirdly, sealed with the Spirit as heirs, having an inheritance. You know, people, you may have read this passage many times. We're encouraging you to read chapter 1 every Monday, chapter 2 on Tuesday, and so on and so forth. You, know, you may have gone through Ephesians book studies before. We may have you know, looked at Ephesians multiple times in our lives. But if reading this and if seeing this doesn't cause us to have a Pascal moment where we take a step back and we see the lights and we see the tower and the clouds and we see the glory of the gospel and we say it's, it's just magnificent. It's magnificent. Blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places to the praise of His glory and grace. If it doesn't have us saying this, then we're missing it. We must see it. Say it with me if you want. I mean, we did this last week. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to the praise of His glorious grace. That was good. Let's do it again. Blessed be the God and Father of my lord jesus christ to the praise of his glorious grace now one more time if you want to but do away with blessed be the god and change it to blessed be you god and instead of to the praise of his to the praise of your you see that just even in your heart you know blessed be you god father of my lord jesus christ to the praise of your glorious grace That's what we're going for, for these words and these spiritual truths in the heavenly places that angels see, that all of humanity has waited for, the perfect sacrifice to come, the one that would adopt us and he would redeem us and he would make us heirs and he would forgive us of all of our sins. That's what we need to be seeing. And it's magnificent and it should cause us to praise and cause us to worship. We'll step into a reflection time. We'll step into a time of worship, you know, as we close out today. But first, let's just be still before the Lord and allow these words to maybe sink into our souls, and then we'll open it up to whoever might want to share. Let's pray. Lord, stir our hearts. Sometimes our minds are heavy with other things. And we need to be reminded of the truth. I think about Tom coming up here this morning and just reminding his family and reminding himself and his bride, Lord, of these, these spiritual truths. Lord, remind us of how you have sought us and loved us well. Stir our hearts, oh God, as a body. Father, forgive us for the times that we walk right by this magnificent thing and this truth because we've seen it a thousand times before and it does not capture our hearts or our imagination. Help us not to be cavalier as we read your word, but may it change us both now and forevermore. Lord, do your work as you are uniting this body into these truths, Lord. Lord, help them to sink in. Change us, challenge us, convict us, encourage us, but mold us into the image of your Son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.